Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees Podcast, we know trees are the answer. Our guest today is Josh Fritz. He is a certified arborist and district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company outside of Boston. Josh, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? All right. We're talking all about a winter walkthrough. Now, when you do this, tell me some of the things that you're looking for on the landscape. Uh, basically, I'm looking for um, safety issues for the most part. Um, there's a lot, you know, obviously with the trees have their leaves there. It's hard to really identify a lot of the decay pockets or even just um, um, uh, structures, uh, uh, defects into the tree. So when I go into the property, you know, I'm looking obviously first the base of the tree, um, looking for any um, voids or uh uh, decay pockets down in the base of the tree. Um, I'll actually uh, sound the tree itself to see if there's any uh, interior decay. Wait a minute. What? Hold on. What do you mean by sound the tree? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. What we use is we have a basically it's uh, almost like a rubber ha- hammer. But when we uh, what we do is we'll go down the around the tree 360 and just uh, tap the tree with the uh, with the hammer. And you can get a distinct sound if there's the decay pockets in the, inside the tree. Hmm. All right. So go on. What else are you looking for? I'm also looking for um, just uh, structural defects, um, any breaks, cracks, um, any hangers up there. Obviously, you can see more dead wood in the winter rather than you can in the, in the spring and the summer because there's so many leaves up there. They kind of hide them. Basically, I'm actually looking at the overstructure of the tree so um basically when i'm walking through a property i'm looking at the weight as well in the tree in the uh, tree canopy um especially in the northeast we we're prone to getting a lot of ice stand, uh, storms and really heavy wet snow especially coming off the ocean those nor'easters so um specifically what i'm doing is to actually do a lot of preventative uh, uh storm damage um pruning so i'm looking at the the ends of the limbs to see how um if they're outstretching so basically you kind of look like a, a think of a, a diving board right as you go out the limb the weight just kind of gets heavier and heavier at the end um to the point where the the diving board bends and then snaps so those are the things we're trying to pre- uh, prevent so we'll actually reduce the branch length um, a little bit to take the weight out. And when, by doing that, you're actually going to um, uh, improve the, uh, the structure of that, uh, that, that limb. It actually, instead of going, putting all its energy on the outside of the limb, it's actually going to go um, horizontal or just uh, more towards the girth of the tree so that it can handle more weight. So those are the things I'm actually looking out there. And and if I had something like a, a old flowering crab or even even a dogwood or something, could you point out to me 
pruning issues right off the bat because I happen to have a very old flowering crab in the woods. I didn't even know it was there. And I look at it and I, I just don't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially if it hasn't been pruned in a while, you're going to have some crossing branches that are going to rub. Um, especially the type of crab apple, you could be prone to like a cedar apple rust or apple scab. Um, so we actually uh, want to prune those in the winter. So we're not going to be spreading the, those diseases uh, um, from one tree to the next. Also, um, especially in the winter, you can actually see fire blight damage in the back with uh, uh, in, on the tree in the, um, in the winter. Um, you know, it'd be the, the, the limbs will be blackened and almost look like somebody took a match to them. Um, that's an actual bacteria that's actually carried by bees, believe it or not. They, um, they inoculate the tree early in the spring when they're pollinating the tree and it'll actually travel down the stem and it could actually not only kill the, the limb, but it actually could kill the tree over time. So those are the things we like to do in the winter um, to try to avoid um, uh, prune out any of the disease limbs to try to avoid um, the, 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 the spread of those diseases. Well, now that I have you uh, talking about winter and looking up at trees, I always like to bring up Bradford pears. Uh, oh, geez. yes. And I know that arborists, uh, have, have an opinion about Bradford pears, but they are prone to, to cracking. Is this a time of the year where you can look at a tree and say, oh, that's a weak crotch or something like that? Absolutely. Especially those Bradford pears, they got included bark, uh, throughout the canopy of the tree. Um, those really V tight, uh, crotches. They're just very weak. It's actually what what those limbs are actually doing. They're actually competing with each other. They're not not actually fusing themselves together to in in the canopy. So yeah, I lived in uh, North Carolina for ten years. <laughs> so every subdivision has those uh, Bradford cares, and as soon as you get ice, they split apart. So yeah, um, the good thing about pears is they can handle a severe pruning. So if you can really um, be diligent about pruning those uh, uh, Bradford pears or any pear in, in general uh, every year or every other year, you should be okay as far as ice storms and whatnot. That the trees should be fine because they, you know, obviously the reason why they uh, used uh, they have those Bradford pears, they look great first thing in the spring. You know, they get the the, the white blooms that are uh, and they're very fragrant for one thing. And, um, so yeah, that's why people love them, but they, it's a, it's a love hate. Let's put it this way. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they do have those issues. Talk, yeah. Talk a little bit about when you do drive up to a subdivision for the first time and you see all those Bradford pears, you know, a, a regular person that drives by a Bradford Paris, uh, especially when it's blooming, they say, Oh, what a beautiful tree. I should put that in my landscape. I don't think any arborist is going to say that. <laughs> no. No, no, you actually, we, we're getting ready to get our chainsaw and cut them all down. Um, believe it or not, there you can't even plant a Bradford pear in Georgia anymore because they're so invasive. That's another issue with them. Uh, what was it about uh, working with trees that interested you? How did you get into this? Well, it's I got a, this story. Um, I have a great uncle. He's uh, 102, still alive. Um, 
he was an actual arborist. So when he was climbing, he was, you know, he was climbing with a manila rope uh, and he climbed the tree and put a bullet, in a, uh, basically a bullet on a bite. That was his saddle. So old school climbing. Um, but when I was a kid, I used to watch him um, doing his tree work and uh, especially around his property out in Western Mass. Um, and he had a really, you know, his thought about work is if you're not willing, if you're not excited to go to work every morning, then why do it? You know, you just get, you got to really be, find something that you're passionate in. And he, I mean, just watching him through the wind, you know, doing his thing, it, it, it looked like so much fun. And so, um, you know, obviously, you know, people look at arborists and they say, oh, well, you, you know, you're not going to make any money. So when I went to college, I, um, um, I, I actually wanted to be a meteorologist, believe it or not. But, uh, but, you know, calculus and I just didn't agree. And, um, you know, that saying that my great uncle used to tell me, you know, that really haunted me. So I just actually said, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And, you know, it was probably the best thing I ever did <laughs> was to go to agricultural school. I got into the tree business and um, and I found this great company down, you know, Hart and Grandma. Now that we're part of Davy, that uh, actually helped me to, you know, learn more about the industry and um, gave me a lot of opportunities to grow. So, yeah, that's pretty much my story. So talk about that old style of of climbing. I didn't understand what you were saying there. That's an inside business thing. But how did you how was you, what was your great uncle doing to climb the tree? OK, so basically back in, you know, the, the late 30s, uh, uh, early 40s, um, the way arborists used to climb, they just had a metal rope and they just throw it up in the tree and, you know, put it around a crotch and. And basically what they would do, they free climb that rope to the top of the tree, 80 feet, not tied in. You know, safety was not as um, as important as it is now. So, yeah, he climbed up to the, the top of the tree, you know, free, free, free climb. And then at the top of the tree, what he'd do is he'd actually basically use the saddle. I mean, lose the rope to make himself a saddle. So he'll just basically uh, use a, a knot called the bullen and it'll have a, a little loop on it. So he'll loop himself through that and then basically to put the rope between his two legs there. And uh, that was his uh, saddle. And then he, and he'd tie in a, a friction knot and that was how he climbed. So it was pretty interesting. I'm assuming you do it a little differently. Oh uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> we uh, obviously with OSHA and, uh, ANSI standards that we have out there, um, it's a lot safer than it was back in the in, in the early days. So, yeah. So we talked about Bradford pears as a tree not to plant. Since you, since you spend so much time out there in these different landscapes, different properties, and with trees, is there something that, that you see that is underused out there that you wish people would plant as far as trees are concerned? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, stewardias. I actually sell a lot of them. It's just a, it's one of those plants that's a, it's, it's a, I call, um, not a staple plant, but it's just a, 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 f a featured 
plant that you uh, that you put in your garden. So um, a lot of us in the industry, we call it the four season tree. So for instance, the bark itself exfoliates. So right now in the winter, the bark is kind of like orange to gray to even, um, and it exfoliates, so it, it flex a little bit. So um, with a you know, blanket of uh, fresh snow, you get the nice contrast and it just looks very beautiful. And it's got a nice little, um, almost like an oval shape um, structure. So it's not, you can put it in a lot of different uh, areas. Um, doesn't like a lot of uh, afternoon sun, but just, a, you know, little tight areas on your property. So you can do it in the city or even in just a, you know, um, you know, a, a rural garden. It's just a nice staple tree that, um, yeah, everybody should have. As far as easy, uh, disease and insects, they don't have a lot of issues. Um, yeah, they don't grow very tall. I mean, they get up to maybe 20 feet. And um, they bloom uh, camellia-shaped flowers in the, the month of July. And they get a, like a vibrant, right, a, a bright red to orange uh, fall color. So... That's one tree I just uh, highly recommend. I'm so glad you said that because I put one in about two years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, uh, do you know how cold of a climate you can go with Stewardia? Zone five sounds uh, about right, or that's a great question because um, you know on uh, your hardiness uh, it says uh, zone five, but we have a, a nursery that we deal with up in. Uh, in the New Hampshire, close to the Lakes District, um, so it's pretty cold up there, and they feel grown them. So, yeah, they can handle a, a zone four if it, if they're protected. Let's get back to that winter walkthrough. Now, I know I want a certified arborist to do this job, but if I do happen to be walking out in my woods, and I'll give you a good example because I'm I'm actually ignoring it, but I saw a big oak tree. And it had, at the end of the season, had some fungal things, mushroom, not mushrooms, but I don't know what you would call it, big fungus at the bottom. And now when I look at that tree, I see it's it's not solid on the bottom. Uh, that's a problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that could be armorillia root rot. Um, it's really good. I mean, it's really important to have an arborist take a look at those mushrooms. Um, different different uh, mushrooms mean different problems so um some of those mushrooms um are saprophytic so it's only on the, the the outside of the tree but some of them are very aggressive so it's really important to have an arborist take a look at those for you well here's another one for you you didn't know this was going to be question and answer did you that's uh, all this right is how, this is how that's i'm getting I, my... I love top talking shop <laughs> This is how I get my free tree advice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I look up at an oak and I see uh, a kind of a crotch filled with chicken of the woods mushroom. Ooh, get that out of there. <laughs> yeah, that's an aggressive mushroom. It uh, really is. Well, it looks like the guys from Davy Tree are going to be coming back to my property. I have them here once a year uh, because I live on four acres in the woods and there's always something falling or I'm seeing something like that. And now you've confirmed it for me. Things I kind of already knew that I should have my uh, arborist from the Davy tree expert company come out here. Talk a little bit about what you get out of your job. Oh yeah. It's I, 
I love, you know, like I said, talking shop with uh, people, a lot of people that are really um, interested in, in their landscape and uh, want to know more about their trees on the property. So I love that. Um, I like solving problems too. Um, you know, obviously every tree has a story and, you know, you can go up to the property and, you know, Mrs. Jones has this dogwood that's not really doing, it doesn't look right. And her daughter, you know, she got that during her Arbor Day, They that she got this little dogwood. And so it's been, you know, on the property for over 20 years. And I, you know, I can't, I, I'd hate to, you know, lose that tree. So what can you do for it? And those are, you know, those are the type of uh, problems I like to solve, you know, because, you know, cause, you know it, it's, it's, it's personal. Every tree has a story and every, um, every property people have a personal attachment to their trees. So that's what I love to help. Well, I'm going to end with a question. I think I already know the answer to when you go to work, do you feel like your great uncle did when he went to work? Absolutely. I mean, there's, a, there's some tough days that, you know, you wake up and you're just like, Oh, I'm really tired. But you know, as soon as I open up the office every morning, I was like, yeah, uh, it's it's definitely worth it. I enjoy it every day. I was just gonna say I've been doing this for uh, almost uh, let's see, ninety seven, almost uh, twenty three, twenty four years. So, and I've loved it every time. I loved it. You know, like I said, it was the best uh, decision I ever made to get into arboriculture. Well, Josh, thanks for all the great information and stories. I sure appreciate it. Not a problem. Anytime. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, we're talking sugar maples, frost cracking, and even a little bit about woodworking. Remember, on the Talking Trees podcast, we know the trees are the answer.